Hello everybody, it's Melissa. I'm back and today I have an important topic to talk about and it's a very relevant topic to me right now, extremely relevant. It's something that I've been sort of struggling with and thinking about a lot and processing a lot in therapy, both individual therapy and couples therapy with Gray. This is going to be a little bit of a vulnerable episode. Um, I'm really sort of putting my personal stuff out there sometimes and it's harder to do that now because I know now that a lot of people listen to this podcast. Uh, At the beginning, when I first started recording this podcast, uh, as I've said before, I wasn't sure if anyone would ever listen. It was more for myself and to maybe like connect with a few people, hope that I would, you know, maybe meet others who were going through the same things that I was going through, but I didn't have any ideas about where the podcast would go I had no sort of like plan I didn't I wasn't like invested in the fact that it would really like go anywhere it was just sort of for myself and now I mean I'm super grateful that there are so many people who listen to and love this podcast and it makes me feel great but also it does make it a little harder sometimes to be a little bit more vulnerable or to talk about more personal things Uh, But I think it's important to keep doing that. And I know you guys are here for me. Everyone's always so supportive. And so I'm just going to dive in today and talk about something that's been going on in my life, something that's been really um, a thing that I've been struggling with and trying to work through. And that thing is... Uh, it's actually my related to my identity and a, and a label that I feel like is a very important label to me, but I feel like I'm losing that label and I don't really know what to do about it or how to like come to terms with some of the changes that have happened in my life related to this particular situation. Um, as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, labels are very important to me. (laughs) I've talked about it before where it's like some people do not really like, feel like they need to identify as a certain thing or they don't need to be like open and out there with their labels or they don't feel like they necessarily need a formal autism or even an ADHD diagnosis because they don't, They don't really feel like they need that quote unquote label. You know, they're, they are comfortable existing just like as they are within themselves as a human being. Great. Great for those people. That's not me. I'm not like that. I love a label. I like to categorize and organize. Thank you. That is due to my autism and it's so much easier to categorize and organize when you have labels, right? Uh, that's why I have a label maker. Um, but, and that's why it was so important to me to get my autism diagnosis. And that's why it was so important to me to really start sort of like living openly as openly as I can, at least as an autistic person is because this is my label. This is who I am. That's not the label we're talking about today. The label that we're talking about today 
is my label of being a lesbian woman. So here's what's happening in my life is that, okay, so let's go a little backstory. I know I've talked about this a bit before on the podcast, but for those who are new or for those who may not remember, I spent the first 30 years of my life living as a heterosexual person. I dated men. I got married. I had two children. I did all of the things. And when I was 30 years old, I came out as a lesbian. I realized I was gay. All of the light bulbs turned on. I everything made sense. Suddenly it it was very similar to when I got my autism diagnosis. It was just like the hugest aha moment where I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense. How did I not know this about myself this whole time? Oh my gosh. And everything changed, right? I started dating a woman. I started being so proud. I was a proud gay woman. I was so, that was who I was. I was so happy to just be embodying that. I was, I'm a lesbian. I am a lesbian. It was great. It was so freeing to be able to not only be able to identify myself as that, but to live my life as that right? To be out in the world, to be holding hands with my girlfriend in public, to correct people when they would mistakenly assume that I'm with a man because I'm a very straight presenting person. You know, I don't, people look at me and they don't immediately think lesbian, right? Because people still do just like with autism, they have a very specific idea of what a lesbian looks like, you know, it's, and I don't fall into that. You know, I, I'm more, more feminine. I have long hair, you know, all the things. So it felt really good to be like out living my life when people would be like, Oh, you know, what is your, you know, Oh, are you single? And I'd be like, no. And they would immediately be like, Oh, well, what does your boyfriend do? Or what does your husband do for a living? And I would, I would be able to be like, Oh, actually my partner is a woman. And they would be like, Oh, and everyone automatically knew what that meant. You know, it's like, Oh, your partner's a woman. You're gay. Cool done and done. Um, and I loved that. I loved it. And, uh, then a, a little bit of, uh, I got thrown for a loop a little bit (laughs) and I actually have had a couple of listeners email me and ask me specifically about this situation. So I know that there are at least a couple of people out there who are curious about how it affected me personally when Gray, my partner, came out as non-binary. And I have been hesitant to talk about this. You know, Gray came out a few years ago now. They came out in 2020, um, right before pandemic time happened, right before we were supposed to get married. So it was a, it was about a month and a half before Gray and I were set to get married. We did end up having to postpone our wedding due to the world shutting down. Um, but I think it's good that we postponed the wedding because when Gray first came out as non-binary, I honestly, um, I really panicked and I didn't know how it was going to affect our relationship ultimately. Um, it felt like a big loss. Um, 
it honestly really scared me because along with being non-binary, Gray also let me know that they were really sort of wanting to transition into a much more masculine presentation, um, as in having top surgery, as in taking testosterone. Um, and for someone who is a lesbian and who is attracted to women, uh, the idea of that happening was incredibly scary to me. I was worried that I would no longer be attracted to gray because I'm not attracted to men, right? Um, and if you're presenting as a man and I'm a lesbian, you know, that might be a problem. <laughs> um, so it was a hard, it was a hard time for us for a minute there. Um, you know, gray obviously had to come out and obviously had to start living their truth. And that was very important for them. And I'm, you know, very proud of them for doing that. Um, but also it was very hard. It was very hard for both of us just because we both were sort of unsure if our relationship would survive it. Um, but, and there was no way to know in advance, you know, there's no way for us to be like, to be able to predict. It was just like, well, I guess you just start transitioning and we see how it goes, you know? And spoiler alert, Gray and I are still together, as you know. And, um, I mean, if you've been listening, you know that, uh, Gray is my partner. We are still engaged to be married, although we have not pulled that trigger quite yet. Uh, there's been just multiple reasons why we haven't done it yet. Um, but we are still engaged. We do still want to spend our lives together. Um, my attraction to Gray has not gone away at all, which is good. Um, but, and there's a big but here, things are different. It's very different to be a partner. Now, this is me talking. You know, some people out there in the world who are with a non-binary person who used to date women may not notice a difference. So for me, though, it's very different. Things are, it's just inherently different to be with a non-binary person um, than it is to be with a woman. Um, most of the... I'm okay, so I'm gonna say the the way that it has most affected me personally is the way that I am perceived in the world. So if you haven't seen Gray, I will describe Gray to you. Gray now looks like a man. <laughs> Gray has a beard. Gray dresses like a guy. Gray has a very um, already sort of like as a woman looked very much like a tomboy and had a little bit more of like a masculine build back then, like even as a woman, like had broader shoulders and had like a more athletic body. Um, but now that testosterone has been a thing for a few years, um, gray has a very masculine appearing body. Gray has had top surgery. So gray looks like a dude. So when we are out together in the world, uh, people no longer see us as a lesbian couple like they used to. They see us as a straight couple. Um, and that has been really hard for me uh, because I am, or at least I was, <laughs> I was such a proud lesbian woman. You know, I really loved that part of my life. I really, and I think it's just because it took me so long to get there. 
it took me so many years to finally realize I was gay and come out as gay. And I got, I, I realized I was gay while I was married to a man and I got divorced and I, it was a whole thing to just like come into this identity. And so it was important to me to be seen that way in the world, to live that truth, to live that identity, to be viewed as a lesbian woman, even by those people who didn't know me. It's like I walked proudly hand in hand with my girlfriend in public. It wasn't a, I was, it wasn't a thing that I was ashamed of or tried to hide. It was like, no, I am gay. I am out here. I am queer. I am here. I am out. I am, look at me. And, um, now when Gray and I are in public together and we're holding hands or being affectionate or, you know, just out together and it's obvious that we're a couple, people, they have no idea. I'm back. I feel like I'm back to being in a straight couple. Like it feels akin to when I was with men. Like, and that's really, really hard for me. Um, That's, I, I feel like that is the hardest part of all of this is just others' perception and not being able to feel really like a real lesbian anymore. Like, I really don't. Um, and it's, it's a lot more difficult to sort of like identify as a lesbian when you are in a relationship with someone who is so uh masculine presenting who is basically a man uh you know by for all intents and purposes from other people's point of view you know um and I guess what I mean by that is like so how I said in the beginning of the episode, like when someone would assume that I have a husband or a boyfriend and I would correct them and say, oh, actually my partner's a woman. And they would be like, oh, okay. And that's, you know, that would really usually be the end of the conversation. And then I would be happy in the fact that like, now that I said that this person knows I'm a lesbian, right? And it was sort of, it was like a mini coming out every time that I would meet someone new and I would get to expose that part of myself. And it was something that was important to me, right? It was like, oh, here I am asserting my status. I am being like, no, my partner is a woman. I am a lesbian. Now we know this. And I'm proud of that. Now it's a little more tricky. Now I either just, when people assume I have a husband or a boyfriend, I either just go along with that and be like, oh yeah, my husband is a tattoo artist. Like, I just don't even correct them. And that's because most of the time now when I do correct them, it's not people's fault, but a lot of people are very, they don't really understand what non-binary is. It's still sort of like a newer sort of word, especially to a lot of people who aren't like immersed in the queer community or queer culture, don't really know a lot about what non-binary means, right? So this actually happened to me the other day at work where I was talking to one of my coworkers and he was like, oh, what is your, oh, he was asking me about my tattoo, a tattoo that I recently got. And I was like, oh, actually my partner did this. And he was like, oh, that's cool. Your, your boyfriend or your husband or whatever is a tattoo artist. And I'm like, oh, actually, yes, uh, but my partner's non-binary. And he was like, oh, 
what is non-binary? Like I've heard that word, but I don't really know what it means that much. And this has happened to me so many times when I've been like, oh, actually my partner's non-binary. There's very few people who are like, oh, okay, cool. I understand what that means. And then we move on. Um, A lot of the time it's me having to like give a freaking TED talk on what non-binary means. And that's exhausting. It's like, I don't want to have to like sit and educate everyone I talk to about what non-binary means. Um, And also I feel like it doesn't really make as bold of a statement about what I am. Like when I'm like, oh, actually my partner's non-binary, that no longer lets people know that I'm a gay woman. That just means that I don't know what it means. I don't know what people think. I don't know how people might think that I identify, but I know that that doesn't automatically lead people to the conclusion that I'm a lesbian, right? Um, So sometimes I'm just like, what's the point? I may as well just say I have a boyfriend or a husband. We can move on. No one has to do a TED talk. You're not going to know I'm a lesbian anyway, probably from the conversation. So like, let's just skip it all together and just pretend I have a husband or a boyfriend, right? And living my life this way, it feels very inauthentic and it feels very hard sometimes. Um, But I honestly don't really know what to do about it. I love Gray. We have a great relationship. Um, And I want to spend my life with Gray. Um, Gray and I have actually been going to couples counseling uh, just to sort of like, I think it's a good idea to do that for couples, especially when you're planning on spending the rest of your life together Um, we did have a few like specific issues that we wanted to work through with a counselor, but also just to like help build better communication and sort of like be on this, make sure we're on the same page about certain things, you know, therapy can be very good for all of that kind of stuff. Um, and of course that's like, we're very privileged to be able to be working with a therapist on a weekly basis. We can do this because we have a local um, LGBTQ center that offers free counseling to um, LGBTQ individuals and couples. So we're utilizing that service. Otherwise, there's no way we would be able to afford couples counseling, especially not like a weekly. Couples therapy is expensive. It's like $300 a session or something like that. Um, So we're very lucky that we discovered that the LGBTQ center in our city offers free counseling. If you are in a position where you want therapy and you are a part of that community, you might check with your local LGBTQ center and see if there's resources like that for you. Um, Hang on, I'm going to take a sip of water. My throat was really dry. Excuse me. So... Gray and I are in couples therapy together and we are processing this. And it's been, like I said, a few years since Gray started to transition. And we went through it a bit at first, but as soon as like we sort of realized that everything was going to be okay as far as like, you know, we were going to stay together. It was going to be fine. It was working out, whatever. Um, we sort of just stop talking about it. It's it's not a thing that's comfortable to talk about because I never want to make my partner feel like they are inadequate in any way, like they are not living up to some certain thing that I want or need them to be. Um, so 
it's hard to express, <coughs> excuse me, I don't know why I'm all of a sudden having like a really dry throat moment. Let me take one more sip of water, so sorry. If I was a person who edited my podcast, I would just edit this part out, but I'm not and I don't, and so I'm sorry, you have to hear me sipping water. Um, so, it is hard to talk about for many, many, a multitude of reasons. And um, we just haven't really. And we started recently processing it. This was one of the things that we went into therapies with that we had in mind specifically that we wanted to work through. Because even though we haven't really spoken a lot about it over the past few years, Gray is aware of the fact that their transition has affected me in many ways. Um, and I think the fact that we haven't talked about it um, it's, it's good and it's not good. So like, it's good because it's given us a chance to really like settle into this new dynamic, right? But it's not good because a lot of it has sort of been swept under the rug and my feelings have sort of my feelings have been put on the back burner not not really like on purpose and or anything like that it's just like I I put them away because it's it was just easier to do that and I honestly I I feel excuse my language but I feel like an asshole I feel like I should be able to just accept this and move on um I feel sometimes very selfish that I feel this way um, and these are all things that I'm processing in individual therapy. These are things that Gray and I are processing together in couples therapy. Um, but it's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard for both of us. I'm sure like it's hard for Gray knowing that, you know, there are a lot of times where I do miss them from before. I miss them when they were a woman. I miss that dynamic. Um, I miss being out in public with them as a woman. I miss how they looked as a woman, you know? Um, I always said like, oh, this is my dream girl. Uh, just the way Gray looked as a woman was like perfect. So, and yeah, Gray as a non-binary person, still perfect, but also not a woman anymore. So like, it's, it's different. There are a lot of things that I miss. There are a lot of things that I long for sometimes. There are a lot of memories that come up that make me sad from time to time. Um, and one of the things that I was talking to my therapist about, and one of the reasons that I really decided to talk about this on the podcast is that, um, everyone who I've known who's been with someone who transitioned, which isn't a lot of people. I don't know a lot of people, but I do know a few people who have been in this position where they've been together with someone and the person transitioned and everything always seemed fine. And to me, that makes it harder because I look at these couples and their partners don't seem to have any struggle with it and they're stoked and they're just like, oh, whatever, whatever this person wants or needs to be, I'm fully there for them. It's 100% great and everything's fine. And it makes me feel like an even bigger asshole because I'm over here just like 
pouting about the fact that I don't have a girlfriend anymore sometimes, you know, um, or like, oh, well, like no one knows I'm a lesbian. It's like, it makes me feel like I'm being a big baby about it and that I should just like, you know, accept things and move on and, you know, be fine. Um, but then with my therapist last week, I started talking about, you know, we started discussing the fact that how do other people perceive mine and grace transition like does anyone in our life know the struggle and I was like no no I haven't been open about it and neither has gray and the therapist was like well then how do you know that's not true for those other couples you know what I mean like how do you know that no one else has struggled with this And I was like, that's a good point because sometimes, oftentimes, most of the time, to be honest, we don't talk openly about our struggles in life really with other people. You know, it's like, it's a thing where you just sort of like put on your, your happy face and people perceive things, you know, especially with couples. It's like, sometimes you don't know what's going on behind doors with, with couples, even people who you think you know really well. I know we've all sort of had that um, experience of like, you find out that a couple that you know is like breaking up or getting a divorce and you're like, oh my gosh, what? Like everything seems so great with them. And it's just a reminder. It's like, well, sometimes we just don't know what's going on with people, you know, because people don't talk about their personal stuff openly like that with a lot of people. So it got me thinking like, you know, there's got to be other people out there who have been through the same thing or have had the same struggle and maybe are afraid to talk about it or maybe are in the same boat as me feeling alone or feeling like an asshole or feeling selfish or feeling like they can't talk about it for fear of hurting their partner's feelings or, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different reasons not to talk about this. And I think not talking about it has it's kind of hurt me in a way because I feel like now I'm behind on processing it. Like I had, I've had a few years to kind of keep working on this and instead I've just been acting really like it doesn't bother me. Um, because I'm afraid to say it bothers me because I don't want to seem like an unsupportive partner. I don't want to seem like I have a problem with gray or anyone else being trans for that matter. Um, I want Gray to be who they are. I want Gray to be able to live their truth. It's just hard because Gray living their truth and being fully who they are sort of by default means that I don't get to live my truth or be fully who I am. So it feels like a sacrifice on my end. And it sometimes you have to sacrifice in a relationship. You know, it's it's just, it is what it is. Um that doesn't mean it's not hard sometimes. And there are moments where I miss being with a woman. There are moments where, you know, it's like, well, um, like, I don't know. It's just, if you've ever been in a same sex relationship, it's just different. There are a lot of ways where it's just different. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's sort of ineffable. It's hard to sort of put into words unless you've lived through the, the 
experience of being in a relationship with like different genders of people, but there are different vibes that go with each person. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where I don't think there's a solution. Um, and that's hard for me. Like the solution is me just, is the, the solution is acceptance. Um, and I haven't gotten there yet. I'm afraid to say it's hard to say that it's hard to admit that, but I'm being honest. Like I haven't fully accepted. That doesn't mean that I don't accept gray. That just means that it's hard for me to accept this situation that I'm in now with them, um, and how it has affected me personally. Um, like I said before, I, I love Gray with all of my heart. I want them to have the life that they want and to live with the identity that they are most comfortable in. And I wouldn't want it any other way for them. You know, I just wish that there was some way that we could both have it all, you know, but it's impossible because Gray's not a woman. And for me to live my truth, it means being with a woman. <laughs> so, and it's sort of hard. I don't really know how to classify myself or label myself now. I used to be very confident in saying I'm a lesbian woman. Now it's a little bit harder to label myself as that because, um, both of because both because of how I see myself and because of how others see me. Um, I think it's weird. People think maybe like people don't know me very well for one thing. Like if I say I'm a lesbian and then they maybe like see a picture that I post online of me and gray and they might be like confused, like, wait, it looks like Melissa's in a relationship with a man, but I thought she said that she's a lesbian, you know? So it's like that sort of thing. Um, but also it's hard for me because I'm like, am I allowed? Am I allowed to identify as a lesbian anymore? Because I'm, I'm technically not with a woman anymore. And it feels... It feels less authentic, I guess, to call myself a lesbian anymore. Um, I went through a phase where I was like, I'm just going to say I'm queer. I'm just queer. But as much as I love that word and as much as I love that label, I really do. I think queer is just like, it's so, it's such a fitting label for certain people who are just like, I know Glennon Doyle has talked about this a lot about how she doesn't, she just identifies as queer because she does not really have a exact idea or, you know, she can't really like super pinpoint where she is on on the LGBTQIA. She's like, queer seems all encompassing to me. It just means I'm just not straight. I'm just, I'm queer. And I think a lot of people embrace the queer label that way. Um, and for a while, I felt like I was kind of able to do that a little bit, but it's still, like, to me, it just didn't seem quite right. You know, it's like, it just, it doesn't hit the mark as accurately as saying, I'm a gay woman, I'm a lesbian woman. That 
to me even saying it right now, saying those words right now out loud to you guys feels so right. That's me. If I say I'm queer, sure, I am. I'm queer. But that's not the bullseye. Like that that word does not hit the bullseye of who Melissa is. So it's tough. This is hard. It's hard in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, yeah, I wonder if there's anyone else out there listening who has been through this sort of thing. Um, and if you have, or if you are going through it right now, if you're on either side, if you're the person who transitioned, or if you're the partner of the person who transitioned, um, I would absolutely love to hear from you and hear some stories about what other people have been through and how they've navigated this. Even if your experience was great and you didn't have a struggle with it, I, I'm still curious about that side of things. You know, it's like everyone has their own story and being on the spectrum, no matter which spectrum you're on, whether it's the queer spectrum, the LGBTQIA spectrum, the autistic spectrum, the ADHD spectrum, like there's you know, sometimes a lot of these things can feel hard to navigate and can feel hard to like find your exact place. And it feels so special when you do find that place. And I feel like I'm like I'm off center of where I'm supposed to be right now. And I don't know how to remedy that. I don't know how to fix it. Like I said, I think the only solution is acceptance, but I just don't know how to get there. Um, yeah, I don't know how to get there. I need help. <laughs> help. Um, therapy is helping. Um, but I think I've got a long way to go. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. I am grateful to you guys for listening. I know, as I said, that this particular topic isn't necessarily about, um, being autistic or being neurodivergent in any way, but it is about being queer being part of the LGBTQ spectrum, you know, and I feel like a lot of us who are autistic do belong to that group. Um, and so maybe a lot of you guys will understand where I'm coming from here with this. Um, and it felt good to talk about it. It feels good to get it out. And I hope some of you out there can relate and send me your stories. Um, yeah. So anyway, <sighs> big sigh. I'm going to let you guys go as usual. Um, I will mention that we have the Patreon account. If you guys want more content and want access to the discord server, the Patreon is uh, $5 a month. You get bonus episodes and you get access to the discord. There's also, oh, that's just my autism merch. I'm going to add more merch soon, hopefully in time for Christmas. And uh, you guys can get yourself a little OTJMA merch for the holidays. Anyway, all the links to that will be in the show notes. And yeah, follow on Instagram as well. And rate and review the podcast if you're listening on a app that allows you to do that. And um, yeah, whew. That's it. I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.